I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. As ever, except for last week. Yep. Except hello, for last Tom. week and uh, yeah. maybe a couple of weeks before that. No, I'm good, thanks, yeah. mate. Um, and Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. I like to I like to say as ever because I, I still think of us as a as a consistent trio. We all uh, all miss a week every now and then, but uh, we're all back in the same room or virtually anyway. Um, one event this week, which means slightly less homework to do, but still busy as ever. Uh, didn't see an awful lot of golf. I was away for the weekend. I think a couple of us were away for the weekend as well. Busy as well. So not going to go over something we didn't really watch. Uh, nice to see Marcel Seam win. Uh, really, really nice to see. Uh, commiserations to a lot of people with the Eric Cole shout. Uh, seems like he had a, a you know a good chance to win. I think he was very positive about it from the interview I saw with him. Uh, sort of saying he was excited and, and you know happy to be there and can't wait for the next time. I, I think that's a quite nice thing to say after you just lost. But um, you know, I think Chris Kirk has, has deserved that. His ball striking has been unbelievable for quite a long time now, and uh, I'm sure we'll come on to speaking about him in a bit. But yeah, just sorry, Tom. Go on, just probably more worth mentioning is um, what's his face in fourth, Ryan Gerrard. Yes, yeah. everyone talking about the top two. But anyway, move on. Well, no, we'll talk about it, shall we? The, the, the Monday no, qualifier that finishing Monday fourth qualifier, place. second ever PGA Tour, and he's going to be short for the next month, and then he's going to be crap, and then he'll be 5,000 again. Is he, <laughs> anyway, carry is on. He, is he going to be like Chris Gosserup, I feel like? Don't, don't. What price is he? What price is he for Puerto Rico? He's quite short already, he isn't is. he? He's, he's like literally 28 to 1. For hold Puerto on, Rico. hold on. No, no, don't dish the Gosserup, mate. Don't, <laughs> honestly, don't dish the Gosserup. He's coming, he's coming, mate. We'll, uh, I will look forward to seeing. Well, he's playing better recently, Crosser up, but uh, he did disappear for a little bit after uh, after we all bet the nuts off of him for eighty-seven weeks in a row. Um, Bay Hill elevated event this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that, Brad? How much does that change who you would pick and how you'd go about picking? It, I guess not. Well, obviously we've seen a lot more of the superstars in the field this time round. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you've got to. Have, feel as though the winner is likely to come up the top of the board. You know what we're going to expect at Bay Hill. It's going to play like a major. And the best players play best in major uh, championship conditions, you know, as we see. So at the same time, they don't have the experience at the course. They don't always show up here. So I think you've got to have uh, someone from up the top, at least one person from within the top 10 players on that betting field. I think the thing then, is, when people think of Bay Hill, they think of Matt Every winning back-to-back years and think it's like one where long shots can win. And you do get a few long shot runner-ups and things like that, but you look at the recent winners, Scotty Scheffler, Bryson, Tyrrell Hatton, Francesco Molinari, Rory, Mark Leishman, Jason Day, and then Matt Every times two, Tiger Woods. Um, <laughs> other than Matt Every, uh, you know, bless him wherever he is out there, uh, they're all high-grade, aren't they? So... Even though they were, you know, Hatton was fifty-five to one, Scotty Scheffler was twenty to one at the time. Um, you know, Mark Leishman was a hundred to one. I think the, the week he won, like there were some big prizes, but ultimately they were still high-class players. So yeah. I think there's not really much to change, Chase. I guess it's just that, like Brad said, there's just more competition. The, the, the long shots kind of take care of themselves because some of the people you were going to back are just going to drift out in price because of Ram and Rory. 
yeah. and then all the rest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't matter how you got there. Tita Green is is the this sort of pinnacle of, of excellence, isn't it? Mm. It doesn't matter how you get there. You've got Scheffler, Till Hatton, uh, Rory, Leishman, all top 10 Tita Green. And Molinari is a bit of an outlier. Um, and then Greens in reg, you've got virtually everybody top 10 in Greens in reg. You have to get there. Um, not necessarily off the tee, which, which I think is a bit obvious. Having said that, par five are you scoring? I mean, I've got a list of of the par five scores from um, from those that, I, that were highly rated in in tee to green. And I mean, look at Scheffler, who won in minus five last year. Hmm. He's minus eleven on the par fives last year, minus ten in twenty twenty when he made his debut. And you go on and on and on like that. Um, you, you've got to score on the par fives, which makes you elite, whether it's a wedge or whether it's a second shot. Um, and you've got to hold on around the par fours. Par threes aren't easy either. But this is not a, this is not one where you know we've seen so many weeks where you know you've got chances on the par fours. You've got to just hold on. If you can level the par fours and score on the par fives, you'll go very close to winning. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because like you obviously spoke about par fives when we were chatting earlier, and like you say, shooting eleven under and you winning total is four under is. Is clearly the biggest makeup for you, and he did lead the way in par fives. Bryson was third the year before. It's a bit of a change though, because before that, Hatton was 17th in par five scoring. Francesco Molinari was an outlier in basically everything, but he was 54th in par fives. He, sorry, mate. The only thing I'd say is that, mm. that Hatton on the par fives minus eight, minus seven, minus six, minus eight. So he's, he's consistently yeah, yeah. Um, around minus. I've got his average somewhere. He's around minus six for the par fives. Mm. So you have to make it. You don't really get away with being two under on the no, five. No, no, you're definitely not. Italy. I think it's, I think it's one of those ones. But like, but I think to me that the biggest differentiator you could be is the par three scoring. So Scheffler was sixth in par threes. Bryson was first. Hatton was first. Molinari was mm. third. McIlroy was third. It almost feels like you you have to do that par five scoring, but you, you don't have to be the the, <laughs> the leader in it. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you have to, you have to be eight, nine, ten under or whatever. But that's going to be similarly available to most people. It's, like you said, you've got to hang on on those tougher par threes and did, fours. Sorry, did we not have this conversation? I can't remember what it was a year ago, two years ago, and whatever. Hmm. Um, and when you have the longer par threes, and it's sort of the par three scoring is is very weird in comparison to to par four. You know, the longer par threes are in effect approaches to par fours. Hmm. Um, so it's a real. I, I actually since that episode, I think it might have been Sky that. That was discussing it. Um, I've sort of gone off all that because I remember Nino Batazio, remember? Yeah. He was like um, par three king. Um, and when you looked at it, because of the variance in par threes uh, and the fact, obviously, that you know, you get smaller green par threes, large green par threes, it basically was not as relevant as um, I thought it was. But anyway, that's my view. We should see. I mean, ultimately, no matter what way we look at it, those par fives are going to be how people make their scores up and when they are struggling to hang on on these par threes and par fours, the par fives will get them out of trouble because that is basically your opportunities to score. It's interesting, mm-hmm. Brad, that, that the driving doesn't factor in as much as you would think because it feels like it should be a premium driving golf course, but accuracy doesn't seem to factor in that much. And neither does length. If, you know, you look at Molinari's and Hatton's and people like that. No, you're right. Obviously, just, there's just the danger of the water and the wind. Um, but yeah, as as you both just alluded to, it's just so important just to make the most of them par fives, and obviously them long tough par threes is just 
they can cause a problem. Um, so you just try and score well on those. Um, but Christ, uh, it's, it's tough. And the wind on Friday, it looks pretty brutal. I think there's going to be a pretty bad draw bias by the looks of it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the one thing I'm worried about doing this, Jace, on, on Monday night, is that we, we could all be putting our eggs in one basket here on the wrong side. Yeah. Of the yeah, do you know what? The problem is you can look and look and look at the wind, and we've already seen it already this year where they call it, it off. Changes, yeah. So we'll go, no, we don't want to bet anybody on Friday afternoon. Yeah. They'll all go home. They'll all come out Saturday. And, and mm-hmm. instead of shooting four over, they'll all shoot four under mm. because it's been moved on 12 hours. So... I remember, I remember you can, it happening. You can do what you can do. I remember it happening with the players as well last year. Everyone got a bit funny about the what wave to play it in, and basically that wave that everyone projected to be really good in didn't actually get out on the golf course at all that day. And it just, you never know what they're going to do with them. You can you can look ahead and say like it's going to be windy this part of the day and don't bet them. But you know ultimately it seems to pan out uh, and kind of equal out unless you're in Pebble Beach and take everyone off at the really weird yeah. time. But um, exactly. Exactly. We shall see. Um, all of those kind of things aside, we've got John Rama's six to one favourite, which you know is very very difficult to uh, argue with. Roy McIlroy nine to one, Scotty Scheffler ten to one. Jace, I come to you first. If you had to pick one, which of the three are you going with? Scotty Scheffler. I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? There's a there's a you know, and that's here between some of these players now. Yeah. Uh, Ram just feels incredibly short yeah. at that price in an elite field. Um, or close to an elite field, anyway. <laughs> um, I, Sheffler, I think, speaks for himself, to be honest with you. Um, what he's done over the last year since winning Phoenix has been incredible. What is it? Um, five wins now, isn't it? In yep. the last year. Uh, placings everywhere. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not difficult. Um, he's in front of you. Everything he's doing is just great. <laughs> and, and if it's a biorhythm thing, obviously he defended at Phoenix. Yep. He comes here to hopefully defend um, and you you couldn't argue against him winning the same tournaments again winning the match play which is well, great that's, that's the frightening and then thing, winning a, a winning yeah. Augusta you, you, yeah. you know I think Brian what's his face put the tweet out didn't he yeah, he, oh, he makes me laugh he does um, <laughs> he put it out and he, and he was like yeah he's going to win here he's going to win there he's going to win there and why not it's not impossible for that to happen he's just flying there's, there's nothing to add I mean it's you know Tita Green's ridiculous you know, over 10 shots at Houston. Um, uh, oh, it's three to two and a half at the tournament champions. It's in front of you. 10. The American Express, who's 15th, four and a half. Phoenix, when he won, nearly 14. And five and a bit at um, Riviera last time. Um, like I say, he was minus 11 on the par fives here last year, which you'd think, oh, okay, he's come here with a bit of confidence because he's just won Phoenix. Um, but he was minus 10 on them on his debut. Yeah. When he was When he was 15th. And, and to be honest, he finished 75 75. So uh, I, I'm struggling. Four of his five wins have been on Bermuda. Um, look, I don't want to bet 10 to 1. It is only going to be a saver, you know, and, and that was like Lowry and ha- and um, Thorby and Ollison last week. Yeah. They both played really well. They just, you know, they had to win for it to be any use. Um, I, I'm struggling. I, if anybody, I can't see anybody possibly putting a negative up, Scheffler. And that's the reason I've, I've gone for him off the well, top. Well, the, the only negative is going to be that people don't believe he's going to defend the title. And they didn't think that in Phoenix, and he did it. And they don't think now mm-hmm. that he's going to defend the title two events in a row, isn't it? That it's, yeah. That's all it's ever going to be, is that the belief is that people can't just keep winning golf tournaments. So they just start... It's like Homer at Riviera. Like, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's so obvious, but you don't think it's Do going to happen. Do you 
you know what? And we'll come on to it, I'm sure, in a minute with another player. Mm. Just players just turn up at certain tracks. The yeah. problem is people mm. like Rahm and Scheffler seem to turn up at every track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem. I, you know, you, you can leave the lot out, but I think if you're going to leave one of them out, you need to leave all of them out. Yeah, um, I think that makes sense. I, yeah, I don't think this... It's, it's very tight. It's four points. It's nothing. But I think, they sh- you know, I think Rahm should be a bit longer. And I'm ha- I think Sheffield's the right price. I, I don't know whether this was intentional. And I don't know whether both you guys or one of you have, have watched the full swing uh, thing on Netflix. Um, yeah. So, Brad, he was he was in an episode with Brits Kepka, And obviously all the focus on that episode is on Brits Kepka and how mm-hmm. his downfall, how vulnerable he was. I think he was intentionally put in that episode with Scheffler because they think Scheffler's going to be the next person that goes and wins these two majors in four years, uh, four majors in two years, sorry. I, I, like, really? Yeah, I, I believe they think I mean, he's going to go on the same sort of run. But at the same time, I just think it was that Brooks was just sort of, he was just simply jealous of how good Scheffler yeah, was in that it, it, moment, of yeah. his mentality and the whole, I think it was just like the comparative but it was also it like because it was one like Kepka was completely in his head and Scheffler was going to get a cup of coffee and didn't really have a care in the world. But yeah, it to me when you think about it, and I, and I knew this because I'd spoken to Ted Scott anyway, but I hadn't really thought about it from Scheffler's point of view. I remember Ted saying to me like, and um, Paul Story as well, both of them, you know, very sh- religious Christians. They sort of mm. said that that was way more important to them than like everything about a player and it's all it's, yeah. it's so obvious now why those two get on so well ted and, and scotty that yeah. it, it kind of makes the perfect sense as why he's having this kind of success and i just i could just see him having this because because i thought after he kind of slowed down at the end of last week i thought that's probably it like how is he mm. how is he going to keep going and then he just comes straight back out and winning phoenix at the start of the year 19 under and yeah. he, even when he looked like he was going to struggle he didn't and elite mentality isn't yeah it? and um god on his side and he's fully believing um it's just it that's every it settles him down on the course you know he always thinks it's uh it's down to god like is what what he's doing you know and uh i think it's just he's just smashing it at the moment there's no as jason said there is no weakness and i think he goes out he can win any tournament yeah, it just but like you think he's already won the Masters last year. He was second at the US Open. He was only one shot short of Fitzpatrick in the end. He's had top eight finishes in all of them. It just, it just feels like to me already like over the last three years he's had a fourth and eighth for second and eighth for seventh and eighth for the first in majors. It's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. He's I don't know if Brooks's feat can be repeated, but I think he's potentially the candidate for it um, because he doesn't come with the same pressure that. But I also think they're both too like uh, I think he's a lot different to Brooks, you know, mentally. You know, I just don't think he's ever going to be that person that gets all bitter if it's not going his way. No, 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 no. I definitely no. I don't think I don't think in that sense. I don't think personally. Yeah. I just think performance-wise. I think they think like he can be, like, yeah, he can be okay, the one. Yeah. Like, and they were perhaps then using it to say like you can get to that position in two different ways. I think that gotcha. was kind yeah. of like the. To me, I don't know. I think he just looked like the prime candidate. Chase, did you did you see that documentary at all yet? No. No. Okay. So if you ever do watch it, you'll know what we're talking about. But um, yeah, it, to me, it just it just feels like he is on a trajectory that I don't know when he's gonna slow down. Yeah. Um, he, you know, in between all of this, by the way, he lost another playoff to 
Sam Burns at the Charles Schwab as well. So he could have conceivably won six times in a year. It's just mad. Um, we shall see. We shall see where he goes. But you are putting him up at 10 to 1, Jace. And that answers the question of who you like out of the three of them. Uh, Brad, would you have had a pick out of the three of them? I think, yeah, Sheffield would be my pick out of the three. 100%. I think Rahm, hopefully he has a an off week. He's so due one. Um, and I think he would, if anywhere, he might find this a bit of a tricky test than he has on his other courses he's played at recently. Uh, McElroy, I just don't think McElroy can win a tournament over Scheffler, to be honest, at the moment. I would like, if you were going to put them one-on-one, I just think Scotty's more likely to win at this present moment. Yeah. Rory will just be first round leader anyway. He's done it twice over the last two years at Bay Hill and, uh, uh, that would be the way I'd approach those sort of things. But um, yeah, if between them three, if you were asking me, I would definitely go Scotty. Cool. There we go. So probably consensus of Scotty as well, because I can't even look at anyone at six to one or even nine to one. So um, that would be the way I would go with that. Next tier then, uh, Morikawa at 18s, 20s best price. Xander Shuffle 22, Max Homer 22, Wills Adatoris 22, um, Finau Thomas and Cantley all similar prices as well. You've both gone with Zalatoris, so Brad, I'm going to let you go with Zalatoris first and let Jason add in. Okie dokie. I uh, just really impressed with that performance last time out of Riviera. It's his best finish. Um, I think it's safe to say, like, hopefully that he's he's back to full health now. Uh, he closed with a round of 64, um, finished tied fourth, and it was the best he hit his irons all year. Um, he also putted well, and I've just noticed, like, after looking today, he's, he's looked has definitely turned a corner with his putting. Um, he's gained strokes putting on each of his starts this year. Um, he's ha- played at Bay Hill twice before um, with a best finish of tied temp, which came on his debut. Um, as we said earlier, we know what to expect around here. It's going to play seriously tough. Um, it's like major conditions. So that is exactly Zalatoris in a nutshell. Um, it's the type of test he comes alive in. You only have to look at his record in majors to tell you that. Um, I just think he's back fit playing well and i think he'll be keen to make up for lost time so yeah without a doubt he's my favorite selection from the top of the market i think it's been i think we've been waiting for zalatoris to get this kind of test i think we've you know he comes back in the tournament champions you don't expect him to to win that because it's a bit of a low scoring thing with too much putting involved he plays well in that so everyone gets back on him at the amex and doesn't quite do it um and then uh, Tory was interesting. He missed the cut there, but started off well. And then comes straight back out of Riviera and plays really well. So, Jace, is it that combination of tough golf course and just maybe a bit of injury-free that you're back on the Zalatoris? Yeah, team? I think that's the key, isn't it? That's the key. Everyone's waiting for him to be completely fit. Um, he came late when he was 10th on his debut 2021. I know yeah. he finished 38th last year. I don't know if Brad said this because everything cut out, by the way. <laughs> um, he was 12th going into Sunday. Um, look, we know what he is. He's a tee to green machine. Um, same old thing. Can we trust him on the dance floor? May not have to worry too much if he finds tee to green enough. Um, he's going to score well, isn't he, on the par fives? Um, it's it's a matter of not bogeying, really, rather than um, birdie putting, isn't it, around here? So I could certainly see him change. I did think twice, to be honest with you, just because of the price. Um, I did want a little bit more, but he's, I think he's hard to to ignore. And, and um, yeah, if he's back, he's can't believe he's number seven in the world. I must be honest with you. Um, but there we are. It's got former Augusta, Torrey, Riviera, all the classic courses, all your tee green courses. 
I, I would, I think twenty five would have been more right. But yeah. I find him hard. I find him hard to ignore. I think there's a better bet at twice the price. But um, yeah, I think Zalatoris has the potential to to go. He could be, you know, the Scottish Sheffield. In fact, there's so many of them. But we haven't reached his ceiling at all yet, have we? And no. look what he's done. All the major stuff, and and he's nowhere near right. So yeah, but- I had to put him in. That's the thing, like you know, the, the world ranks you mentioned he was seventh. Like they are geared to the major performances, and that's where he's done his damage, right? And yeah. and if we're seeing this golf course uh, as a as a major, you know, test, and that's what it is. I do think he's the one. I, th- I don't get excited about betting him anymore, and I just, and almost numb to it because his number just doesn't seem to move. Like it's taken Max Homer to win three more times for his number to come down to here. It's yeah. it's taken Cantlay to have a couple of bad weeks to come out here has a has a great week at Riviera still again, bigger like that's, it's, down, that's down to his major performances that's it where is. he's on yeah. like, in the highlights yeah. it's, yeah, it's... It's, he's very popular and he deserves to be where he is and I do suspect he'll win again this season I just I've got a bit numb to seeing him at 22 25 to 1 and just thinking yeah. when is that going to change um, yeah. so that would be my only knock like I, 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 there's nothing to you know, question his credentials of, of actually placing here, winning uh, here, whatever. I don't think. Unless you mm-hmm. disagree, Jace. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm loath to oppose Brad at all with mm. anything. And I'm not going to. I think he'll still, I think, I think he's still in. Um, but I, for every minute that passes, I'm starting to think I'm just not sure about the price. Yeah, so, I think it's just yeah. one of those ones, one, like sometimes, and I find in this range a lot of times, the 22s, 25s, that almost all of them feel like they're either really wrong and they should be 16s or they're they're they should be 33s and you just get a little bit kind of sticker shot with it and sometimes i just think like for example I'll, i'm going to roll straight into jason day so i've mm-hmm. i've bet jason day and he's going into best price 28 to 1 you might as well take the 10 places and then at 25 to 1 at this point um whereas i think the reaction has been made on what he's done. I'm going to come on to one of my picks later, who I think has been there's been an underreaction to his performance. And Brad, we're, we're both in on Jason Day, and we we both yeah. think this is going to be the week that he comes and gets that win that he deserves. The the eye catching thing was how good he was at Riviera when he's never really been good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, finishes in the top ten. This this feels like the one that's going to happen. I think the tougher it gets on that Friday, if he gets involved in it, the better. Um, it's where he's going to stand out. I think. That it just it just feels right that he's going to go and do this right ahead of major season, get himself into mm-hmm. all the big events, and then you know even it's either this or the players. I think he has a really big big week. I think he's actually fifty to one for the players at the moment, which is interesting. So it's it's tough. I, I again a bit like what Jason's having a dilemma with with Zalatoris. I I struggle with the price a bit because he still hasn't done it yet it's not like we're, we're talking about the fact that Jason Day's got this win it's not it's even like if he'd done what Rose done at Pebble and just won Pebble and, and he was back in his field at 22 to 1 you might go okay fair enough but he's still yet to do it so the positives are that I, I, he's playing the best golf he's played for a seriously long time ball striking's great um, it feels like he's going to win at any point soon but they're but they're mm-hmm. they're aware of that and they're they're preying on you Brad that this 25 28 to 1 number yeah, no, definitely. I agree with all of that. And it's just that incredible level of consistency that he's showing at the moment, isn't it? It just, yeah. just fully suggests that he is, Jason Day is back. And 
uh, as you said earlier, that Riviera performance was brilliant. He didn't even have his best stuff. He lost um, strokes and approach, and he still fired a final round of 65 uh, to finish in the top then, you know, backdoor it. And as you said, it's not been a good course for him over the years, so that result looks even better. Um, and I just feel as though it's, he's now arriving back at the course he's won before, obviously, at Bay Hill. And if he keeps playing the play the way he's playing, a win surely cannot be that far away. So I, I think he's worth sticking with. I think I've backed him. I keep backing him, going off him, back, backing him, going off him. So I hopefully caught him on the right wing. Yeah, to me, like you just think about the last three or four weeks, he's basically been involved in every event. You know, 18th, yeah, 7th, 5th, really and 9th. Nice, yeah. um, you know, at the American Express, he was third at the halfway stage. He was seventh at Torrey Pines. Never quite got close enough, but he was close enough that they were putting him in the kind of uh, coverage and suggesting that he can make a move. Phoenix, he's first round leader, finishes fifth, um, and then, yeah, shoots at the final round 65. It's just a slow start at Riviera, which is not a massive surprise when you consider his previous history there, that maybe he just didn't believe himself when he gets to that first day and then realises he's playing so well that he can overcome it. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those ones where I can't get past him. I'm waiting to back him here and and we're here. So I'm going to go with it. Um, next for me, Tyrrell Hatton. And, Jace, I think you're in agreement as well. I think it's best bet a week at the, pri- at the price, yeah. Yeah, 35 to 1 now, Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah, go on, you do it, Tom. Yeah, okay, great. So <laughs> I think, like, just looking at him, so I didn't necessarily believe in him at the start of the year i thought it'd been a little bit a while since we'd seen anything from hatton he, he wasn't really showing it as much as i wanted to see um wasn't convinced by him in those first couple of middle eastern events but he still finished seventh at abu dhabi without ever really having anything like his best he just finished second at the dp world tour championship to finish the year 38 for dubai was disappointing but he finished off with 67 then he comes right back out of phoenix where he looked quality didn't he, he went on that massive run over the, the middle rounds uh, looked like he was going to get himself into contention. Didn't. Finishes 40th last time out of Riviera, but again, solid there. Like, really, really good performance. And he's now just coming back to the golf course, which suits him best on the PGA Tour. It's literally as simple as that. There's not a better course for him on the PGA Tour. He's going to basically make his career at this level, at this golf course, I think. First, second, fourth, 21st, 29th, 69th. His finishes here. I like the fact that when he was fourth on debut, it was a little bit uh, lower scoring. So if it does pick up over the weekend, I don't think he's going to lose track. When he was 29th, he was uh, 11th at the 54-hole stage. When he was 21st, he was 11th at the 54-hole stage. Like, he gets himself in the mix almost every time. The last four last four times, he's been first, second, and in and around the top 10 going into the final round. So it just feels inevitable that Tyrrell Hatton's going to get himself into the mix. His tee to green game uh, has been solid. Fifth two starts ago, uh, tee to green at Phoenix. Don't really have any negatives. I think when you think about links and wind, it's perfect for him. When you think about low scoring, he can do it. When you think about tough scoring, he can do it. Uh, I, I think this is definitely his best chance to win all year. And uh, I will be back in at 35 to 1, Jase. Yeah, um, like you say, this is this is him, isn't it? Um you know, it, 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 you, you point it out well that he's done it in all conditions. Yeah. But again, looking at his par five results, or his par five scoring, um, he's got an average of seven under for each of his, through his six events here. Yeah. And that doesn't matter whether he wins in four under, or as you say, whether it's low scoring, a bit more low scoring last year. 
Um, 11 under won it. He was minus eight on the par fives. It doesn't seem to matter. He's perfect. It's what he wants. We know he's a Lynx king. What he's done, the Daniel Lynx. Um, what he does in Dubai. And I like that he repeats. He repeats form continually at courses all the time. We've already mm-hmm. discussed two of them. Um, he's, he's got two uh, top tens at USPGA. He's got uh, two, sorry, two top tens, two twenty top twenty fives at USPGA. The Open. He's got fifth, sixth, and eleventh. He want, like you say, he's major class. He wants wind. Um, whether that suits him or obviously inconveniences the others more. His driving actually the last three have been excellent, which will do him fine here because you don't want to be coming out of the rough too much on the fast greens. And he repeats form. You know, here he's been, as you say, first, second, fourth, etc., etc. Loads of 20 finishes. Um, what do you want? I think 35 to 1's cracking. I honestly thought he'd be closer to 25, 28 max mm-hmm. um, for what he can do. Um, and we know what he is. You know, he's hilarious, Tyrrell Hatton. You know, you should you should play with Jordan Spieth every single week and you should mic them both up. And it's brilliant. Um, and I don't really mind that. I, I You know, obviously, you, you know, he, I think he plays on it sometimes. And he either hates the course, you know, he hates the clubs, he hates the sand, he hates everything. But it's great. It's, I think it's fantastic. And it's, uh, I like him. And um, when it comes to course, like you say, that he's his, you know, um, yeah, why not? The, the more it, the more it's windy, as long as it's windy for the whole field, he's going to rise, isn't he? So yeah, brilliant. Thirty-five to one is great. I just like like Phoenix. I had no like no belief that he would do anything. But there was a couple of people that like Matt when I spoke to him on DraftKings that I just liked Tyrrell Hatton this week, and I I couldn't really work it out. I was like, look, he, yes, he was seventh in Europe, but that's what you'd expect. Um, not not sure why we would back him in Phoenix, and he was great there, and I think that's such a good sign bit like Jason Day at Riviera when you have a, such a strong result somewhere you don't expect it uh, mm. to then come back to Bay Hill and 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 look ready to uh, contend again it's uh, perfect for me so yeah Tyrrell Hatton there for, for both of us um, Brad any thoughts on Tyrrell Hatton? No I can't argue with any of that it is his as you both said it's his course isn't it in the PJ Tour is his best stop and he's been showing some great signs so yeah I love Tyrrell Hatton one of my favourite golfers um, but yeah he didn't get, didn't get there with him this week I'll go for another Englishman who I think is a bit better value. Go on and give us give us that one. Uh, so I've gone for Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. Um, so he missed the cut at the Phoenix Open, um, but he bounced back with a solid 20th place finish at Riviera, and he was really good tee to green, only losing strokes slightly off the tee, and I just think that performance sets him up really nicely. Same as Tyrrell Hatton, this is one of his favourite events on the PGA Tour schedule. Um, he's played Bay Hill six times, missing the cut just once. Mm-hmm. Um, if he makes the cut, the worst he has finished is 20th, 26th. Um, his best finish of third came in 2019. He led at the halfway point. Um, then he had a third round of 76, which ultimately cost him. Um, he did bounce back with 68, but yeah, no, it's all too late at that point. Um, he also has a couple of 10th place finishes. Uh, his most recent one came in 2021. Finished sixth in the end. Um, oh, he's sixth going into the final round, sorry, but then shot 77 to finish 10th. So that story of Tommy's life really on the PJ Tour. He has struggled when in positions to win. Um, so, yeah, he's been in contention twice here. And I had a look at some past interviews. And, uh, yeah, it's a course he very much enjoys playing at feels comfortable playing on he also has a close friend that lives on the course so has some familiar surroundings there 
Uh, I just feel like if Tommy is going to break through and he still has obviously aspirations to do so at the highest level uh, um, on the PJ Tour, I think it will come here. Um, uh, he loves a tough test. If the wind is up, we know he can handle it. So, yeah, promising signs at Riviera. I'm excited to chance him again. And it's probably worth chancing him in the first round leader market as well because he does love us. Do you, uh, I'll start. Do you worry with Fleetwood that you, you obviously alluded to his struggles getting the job done? And that was probably when he was at the peak of his powers. Yes. Like, yeah. is that like, because for me, like with Hatton, he won here when he didn't have maybe his best. I can't remember exactly how what form he was in, but it felt like he'd come back here last year when he wasn't, you know, top notch and kind of contended again. Whereas it feels like Fleetwood, he has to be right in it almost to have an absolute chance. And his ball striking just isn't where it has been. And I just worry with him whether, like you mentioned, no, no, about... I mean, it was still better than Tyrrell's last week. So yeah, there's that. there is that. It's just, I just think with, like with Tyrrell, like I don't really look for him to have certain stats. Like I, I just think that when it comes oh, to certain course, like yeah, he'll you, be you fine. You could argue the same thing with Tommy though. I mean, he absolutely yeah. loves this place. Obviously he hasn't got the job done here, but he could have done twice if uh, a little bit um, about bad round. Um, you just got to hope and pray that it does um, finally, you know, grow, grow a pair to get the job done. And we, all <laughs> love, we all love Tommy. We all want it to happen. And I just feel as though if it is going to happen, it will come at Bay Hill. Um, and I just think there was enough like promising signs from that performance last week at Riviera to suggest that he's worth chancing this week. Yeah, there you go. I've given you my pushback, and you've pushed back again. So we're <laughs> we're all good. We're ready I love to go. All the same. I, do. I still think it's a great bet. I uh, I like that. I like when you you had an answer for me. Um, Jace, Chris Kirk. It's one that we discussed earlier. Um, I'll give my kind of spill on him. He's he's coming to fifty fives now. He was seventies when we were kind of talking about him at first. You can get sixty sixes uh, with one place, but. Um, for me, it's just one of those ones that we kind of spoke about this off air that if he'd finished 5th, 6th, 10th, 12th last week, everyone would be racing to bet him. But because he's now won, and maybe not in the most convincing fashion after what he did on 18, that people just don't believe he's going to do it again. And, you know, it is hard to see him winning back-to-back. It's hard to see him winning even in this field if he hadn't won last week. But it's a three-time winner on a Bermuda grass courses. Uh, he does keep form when he when he finds it. He was fifth in tee screen last week, eighth in approach. He's been one of the better ball strikers basically all season. It seems to be that he just needed to get back onto Bermuda uh, greens to actually get that win. He kicks off the, the trends quite nicely. He's got a top five finish here uh, last year. He was eighth the year before that as well in 2021. Ten times he's played here, nine times he's made the cut, and he's been inside the top 16 on eight of those occasions. So to me, it just feels like Chris Kirk is going to be there um, whether you can envision him finishing, you know, first again back to back is, you know, is one thing. But I can't see him not being involved over the weekend. Yeah, that's, I think you've covered it really, haven't you? I mean, his par five average is around about five and a half over his career here. Um, minus six last year, minus eight in 2020, minus eight in 2009. I'm making a big deal of this because mm. you've got to have something to go to, <laughs> and that's what I've gone to. Um, and again, he appeared in the... I've done a, a Tita Green thing that I've done over the weekend and, and he appeared in the top 15 or so. And then when you look further into the players, if he hadn't won last week, you'd certainly say he was trending in the right direction, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, everything is right. And, and it's it's hard except 
you know, Chris Kirk, when you're talking about him winning something like this in, in yeah. Chris Kirk is doing it. Hideki Matsuyama isn't doing it. Keith Mitchell is doing it. And they're all about the same price. Lowry will love the conditions. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tommy, as has, um, Brad has brought up, he's the one He's the one in form out of all of them, in the best form. But it's just... I don't know whether it's missing the boat, Tom. I don't know if it's. But, I know. think I think it is. He was in like, my list. He was in my list last week, and, yeah. and I didn't go to him. And yeah. um, it's potentially that I don't want to back him now because he won last week. I'll be perfectly honest, which is mm-hmm. a bit pathetic, but you know, such is life. Well, the, the last time I tried to do this, I tried to back Rose at Riviera, and it didn't work out very well for me. But to me, like I just look and. It's not just here. He won that Corn Ferry event um, in Florida when he was getting back, you know, back into the swing of things. You look at the people that he's beat over the years. He's beat Russell Henley and Billy Horshaw on an event. He's beat Spieth and Seneca on an event. Like he's not just a, you know, a flat track bully that won some really poor events. He's he's won some decent events of magnitude. He's won a FedEx Cup playoff event. Like it, I do have a tough time believing that he could do it, but. I just, I just think that the price is fine for the place part, even. You know, you're just, just thinking mm-hmm. that he can be right involved. Just that, that time, that amount of top 16 yeah. finishes that he's had here um, is just ludicrous. And we kind of get hung up on these things of, you know, oh, they can't possibly go and win back to back. They can't even get in the top 20. Maybe the top 20 is a bet. Maybe he's just his form is so good, his ball striking is so good, and his course form is so good that going back into finishing the top 20 again, I don't, I don't know. But. For some somehow, some way, I want to have Chris Kirk involved, isn't, and I don't hate the price. Isn't Tiger the only one in recent years that has come here after having won his previous tournament? Um, no. I think sense. Uh, yeah, well, obviously Tiger. Yeah, I mean, but when you talk Tiger, would you might as well ignore it? Might yeah. so. you can say that I don't know when the last time somebody came off a win, uh, and I think it was so emotional as well for him to be able to turn that round and say Friday was horrendous. Yeah. To be able to come out and go, do you know what? I'm really going to give it my all, which he's going to have to. Mm. I'm not sure that um, he'd be. Me- he may well be, and I'm, I'm guessing. And we always said we'd never guess what their mental state is like. <laughs> but given given the emotional um, circumstances of the win, yeah. you know, if it was an easy tournament, if it was a minus twenty tournament, and you say you could just lob it round and and it'd be down to fatigue or, or you know this putt that putt, but this is going to be a grind and. It's going to be very, very difficult to be up for it. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I think like now he's come from 70s into 55s and sometimes 40s in the place. Like it's easier to ignore because you're losing that value from the place. And I definitely just look to kind of top 10, top 20 finishes because I just I just think his ball striking is so good and his course form is so good that like, if it is going to be four or five under winning score, like he's he's only kind of got to hang around just to have a chance to climb up over the weekend and. Uh, maybe he gets those kind of slow days out of the way, but gets through the cut. Um, but you mentioned there, Shane Lowry, Brad, you and I spoke about him this morning, yeah. uh, whether he yeah. could kind of overcome that course form. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think now more than ever, like for some reason, I don't know whether this is just a feeling or whether it's like because they're these elevated events, people are giving a bit more of a shit about things. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it seems to be that players are coming into these events now and overcoming this course form angle quite yeah. a lot. And we've, we've seen it with uh, Jason Day at Riviera. Ricky Fowler played well. He, he tied his best finish at Riviera. Um, so I, 
everyone believes that Shane Lowry should be good at Bay Hill, as far as I know, that's what everyone believes. Yeah, on um, paper, it should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, he loves Honda, and it's you know still in the same state. It's not the same golf course, but it's you know Bermuda Greens, and it's a tough test, right? Tough so, test, yeah. grinder, you look at the Fleetwoods and the Hattons, you think he should fit in that kind of mould. Uh, it just hasn't yet, but I think Actual now... record in Florida as well. Yeah, I think... I did read something from Ben that maybe he'd lost. Oh, he lost. He lost his uncle. He lost his uncle over the the weekend. That potentially isn't great when you come into a golf course. That you maybe like his point of he probably wouldn't play here if it was an elevated event. Probably holds some water. Like, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, maybe that's the kind of thing where he's just so distracted by that he forgets. Or he might want to win and dedicate it to him. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough thing to know and. Again, you're just second guessing emotions, yeah. aren't you? But like Jason, the group that Jason just mentioned there, with you know, you mentioned Fleetwood, you mentioned uh, Matsuyama and Lowry, they're all these kind of prizes now. You're looking at major players, and mm. you know, it's 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 definitely a, it's the time to take them if you believe they can win this season, is what I would say. Because yeah. like if they show anything, like if let's say that. Um, you know, Matsuyama shows up at Augusta again for one good week. Like he's got his price is going to be short oh. of you know a couple of weeks after that. Um, you might as well get in while you can. I mean, while they're priced with Keith Mitchell, I really like Keith Mitchell. Hard to leave out. Um, but like, they're, they're, it's not going to happen very often. Their price. Well, I mean, so. Lowry's a top player, and his last two performances have been brilliant. Like he's hit the ball like incredibly well. Fourteenth, fifteenth, uh, fifth last time out at the Honda, hmm. and I, the only reason he is. Well, the price he is is because he's never broke seventy at yeah. Bay Hill. But that, that's the concern. It's not even like he's had one one week here where he looked like he was going. I think he was like fourteenth after round one, and yeah. then and then he bottled it. Um, otherwise, he's never really looked close to making a cut either. That's my concern. No, is that that is whether, concern. whether he just gets fed up, like he just goes, I don't look but like. I like the angle you said though. I think you know this is a completely different event than it has been in re- previous years. You know the elevated status. You know they might just. Up his well, game this well, year. That's the thing. I think he might just look around him and go, "Look, these are the people I want to play against. This is what I get up for, and that's it." Mm. Um, you know, doesn't it doesn't hurt that you're playing for whatever they're playing for? Money noise. Now I'm kind of immune to reading about prize funds anymore. But um, it was a lot this week. Mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler already alluded to him. Going to go with him as well this week. I just listened to Butch earlier, and Butch basically said that he believes he's going to win. Do you take yeah. that with a bit of a pinch of salt? Because it's his student, probably. But the the fact is, he's now been inside the top nine in strokes going approach in each of his past four events. His all-round game is coming through together. So T to green, he was struggling a little bit off the tee as well. But he's now 54th, 26th, 22nd, 12th. He's trending right in the right direction with that. A little bit like um, Chris Kirk, very consistent on the tough golf course. 11 of 12 cuts here. Uh, he's had that previous top five, finished third in 2013. He was fifth after 54 holes on his second start here in 2011. Um, he's finished 12th, 14th, 18th here. The fact that he finished 20th at Riviera is probably like a top 10 for him because he's just never done well there. I just think you look at him, he's won the Honda Classic, he's won the players, so he loves Florida, lives, you know, lives here. I just comparing him, I've, I've put these people in the same bracket all season long Adam Scott, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler. Um, I think it's just a renaissance year for all of them, they all have things to play for. Whether they all maybe a little bit got a chip on their shoulder, maybe didn't get offered as much by Liv that they thought they should have done, something like that. I don't know what it is, but for some reason mm. they've come out firing. Um, and it's great. I, I love having Ricky Fowler 
back to close to his best. Um, I'd love to see him getting all these majors. That's another factor is that he's 70th uh, in the world rankings right now. He needs to climb up another 20 spots to get into Augusta. I don't know what he needs to do here and the match play, or here and players, sorry, to to get into that. But um, he's going to have to have a good week, and uh, I think that's going to help. So, Jason, anything to add on Ricky Fowler? No, not really. Um, yeah, I think he's I think he's trending right. Whether he's absolutely up for being able to win this or not now, I don't know. But as you say, you know, you, you look down the list and you can see open pedigree in there. You know, with the winners and the runners up. Yeah, Fowler loves the win, doesn't he? Uh, again, going back to what I'm concentrating on that's bound to go wrong this year. Um, <laughs> it was minus eight on the par fives. I mean, no fault really, is he? he said, no fault for a couple of years. No. And he was minus eight on the par fives last year. He was his best since 2017, when he was obviously okay. Um, but he was plus 14 on the par fours, his worst ever in 11 tries. Mm. So if you take that, and I know he finished 52nd, but let's look at the positives on that. Um, and you take in what he's doing recently, and the fact that conditions are going to be right up his alley. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think there's something there with Fowler, um, and I can see him knocking in a top five quite easily in, in a tournament like this, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, look, Scotty Scheffler, close to Open Championship wins already. Tyrrell Hatton, great efforts already. Victor Hovland was right in the mix of St Andrews. Bryson, obviously not. Lee Westwood should have won an Open by now. Tyrrell Hatton, um, I've already said him. Mark Leishman, playoff at St Andrews. Franny Molinari, 1-1. Roy McIlroy, 1-1. Like, it's, it's littered, so, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, it is yeah. the Open. So, uh, even the Americans that have won it play well in the Open. So, it's... Yeah, I think I think you just got to go with it, and I don't think there's a better tournament at the moment for him. Maybe the players, maybe he comes back out to, like next week and and plays really well. But I will see it this week first before I dive into next week. So that's my spill on Ricky Fowler. Because it's this elevated event now, is this where we stop thinking there's anyone that can win, Jace, or is there anyone else further down the board that you would give another look to? No. I think I think Hideki's wrong price, but he's playing not very well. Hmm. Um, having said that, right, just I was looking at him earlier, thinking I don't know how to play him. Maybe a top twenty. Um, last year, he had a run of top thirty at Torrey, eighth in Phoenix, thirty ninth at um, Genesis. Yeah. Um, and uh, then he was top twenty here. And this year, it's not that far away. He's ninth at Torrey, twenty ninth at Phoenix. He missed cut on the number at um, Genesis, so you might as well call that a top 40 anyway. Um, his scrambling's been really good, and um, I, 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 there's something about Hideki that makes me think, you know, like when Jordan was playing crap? Yeah. And he went at 50s, was it? When he yeah. won whatever he won? Heritage, maybe? Yeah, it might be. And I just think, he's just drifting. I mean, if he plays badly now, he's going to go at like 75, 80. That's <laughs> Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. You know, mm. and I think there's a point where I'm just gonna you're just gonna have to play him and, and I will have to this week. I am not sure how, but um, the price is wrong, as simple as that. Um, unless he's ready to go to live, of course. Um, as they said about six months ago. Yeah, well I think, I think um, they they've missed that boat, whatever they did wrong there, because that seemed like it was definitely gonna happen and then didn't, so But who uh, knows? Who knows? You know, I, I just think a sixty plus it just feels very, very wrong indeed. So there we are. I thought about Keegan Bradley in this range. I think he's playing well again and likes it here. Uh, definitely his sort of golf course. 
I do think Minwoo Lee's interesting. I I was down on Minwoo Lee because he was never really making cuts in regular PJ Tour events, and I just felt like he maybe either tried too hard or fell out of his depth, whatever it was. Um, but that was really encouraging last week at the Honda, and I think this is actually a good golf course for him, uh, potentially. So I think at the 125s, if there's even some 150s about to take the six places, I think that's actually okay on uh, Minwoo Lee, Brad. Yeah, no, definitely. I actually preferred Lucas Herbert, who yeah. was um, obviously a similar type of player, loves the wind, um, and it's seventh on his debut here last year, and he was actually played really well at the Genesis last time out. He would think he was like 16th or 18th going into the final round when I was looking earlier and uh, shot a final round of 77 to ultimately fall away. But yeah, he's someone that just ticks a lot of boxes um, just as an each way punt. I, I contemplated it, but um, looked elsewhere. But yeah, he was someone who interested me. You, yeah. you liked him, Jason, didn't you? I did like Lucas Herbert. I, 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 both the ones you mentioned, I think we talked about it earlier. Hmm. So all in that range, sort of Minwoo Lee, Lucas Herbert, and bizarrely, Adrian Morong, who is just hmm. doing stuff that I didn't think he'd do, ever. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bet him top pole, that's for certain, um, <laughs> in this. But, um, yeah, he's he's flying. Um, look, I'm not expecting him to particularly do anything here, but um, on his debut, and he'd probably get blown off course. But, you know... He's won Australia, and he won it by an absolute country mile. Yeah, um, he's really interesting. He's just non-stop improving. Um, mm. And again, it's it's just a, you know, you might have that preconception that that how can Moronk be this good? But uh, do you know what? He could turn out to be better than any of those that we, you know, any of those um, European qualifiers that went over there. Yeah, um, he's he's flying. I, I'm looking at him to do something with him, but. Mm. I'm not sure what, but yeah, I agree. Minwoo Lee, Lucas Herbert, Brad, yeah, great point. I then think three. There might be something there with him. I think Herbert with him is he's potentially over Minwoo. So I think Minwoo Lee is the, the candidate that could go and shoot the lowest round of the day. Whereas I think Lucas Herbert's the, the grinder that won't give anything yeah. away for the four days. And yeah. maybe you need a bit of both in that. And they're saying commentary, and some, I think the commentary's actually been better the last couple of times on the DP World Tour, funnily enough. But like, They've sort of said like he just has one gear, and when it's going well, Mimuli, like it's great and it's perfect, and he's you know one of the better talents, but doesn't seem to have that kind of bounce back ability. Whereas Herbert just just seems to stick around, um, yeah. which maybe suits Bay Hill. I think Mimuli lacks lacks um, guile. Your gameplay, you know, yeah, yeah. He, he he just sees one thing and and, yeah. and that's it, and that doesn't doesn't work and. I mean, you, you can say that about people like Dean Burmester and people like that who only ever have or had. I don't know what he's going to do now. He's over there. I presume it'd be just flag hunting all the time over there anyway because it's a couple of grand a shot anyway, isn't it? Um, and you just look at them and then you look at, again, I'll go back to Moronk or someone like that, and you can just see a development in his game. You know, he used to just be smash it, find it, smash it, not have a clue what's going on. And you can just see this little development happening. Um and I don't see that with Minwoo Lee. I think that's, that's bang on. You, you automatically think there's going to be wind, it's going to be links, Minwoo Lee's going to play well. And he does. But he does something ridiculous. And uh, it seems mm-hmm. to happen a lot. You'd certainly be worrying about him missing the cut as opposed to Herbert. Like if you're doing like DraftKings or whatever, like he would be the riskier player, the more volatile player. But yeah. maybe has... I don't know if he has more upside than Herbert. I think that's probably an unfair thing to say on Herbert at the moment because Herbert's done it and proven it. I guess... 
when it comes to majors, I don't know, Mimuli, I, I like more. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a tough one, but I think both of them are worth looking at. I think that um, you know you make a good point. Me wrong. I was certainly surprised to see him play as well as he has since he's come over. I thought he might struggle. I thought he was a, a candidate to really struggle. Um, the green game is is yeah, just superb. stunning. Yeah, it's a matter of whether he gets lost around here. I think and that's, if you, he has to play too much out of the rough, then uh, you're, all, you're in trouble again. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those ones where, like, we think that, and then that could definitely be the case. And if he just doesn't, then all of a sudden he's, he's like you say, he's got that kind of smarts about him now that that might not be the case. So, um, yeah. Justin Sir, I looked at in terms of, like, a, a you know, impressive performance last week. Um, just been steady after a really slow start where people kind of thought he was going to be, you know, having a big season. He's he's not done anything special up until last week. He was 20th, I think, at, um, at Torrey Pines. Uh, and 40th at Riviera but he was actually 18th going into the final round 5th last week he was the 36 hole leader my only concern was Sir, as I always thought he was more of a California person and, and maybe that 5th last week is a um, kind of a you know standout rather than something we should expect but if it's a you know a bit of a sign of things to come then then he's a decent uh, bet there at 150 to 1 still Gary Woodland I looked at which I definitely mm. didn't think I was going to be talking about in, in 2023 um, just seems to be making a few waves. Um, 66 opening round at Torrey Pines. Um, I'm assuming that was probably on the north course. Finished with a 66 at Phoenix and then finished uh, 9th at Riviera, which I was really impressed by. And and does like this kind of setup. T- uh, strokes going approach been 7th and 3rd his last two starts. Tees Green 17th and 7th. So when Gary Woodland's doing that type of thing, Brad, um, I think he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. No, 100%. Yeah. The only person I don't think I've seen mentioned anywhere that that I kind of just look back at his like consistency of his finishes at the moment, and just think, wow, he's, he really has developed as a player. And I know we've spoken about him an awful lot, so it's not a surprise to us. But Seamus Power, twenty fifth, twentieth, fifteenth, twentieth, fourteenth, like just doesn't seem to ever go away from that kind of top twenty five at the moment. Um, that that's a really solid bank of form. I don't see any reason why. He would necessarily struggle here. I know he missed the cut on his debut last year, but I think, like we we probably said at the start of the season, like the, this is the second time that he's going to see all these golf courses because mm-hmm. um, he never used to get into these events. So I'll be interested to see what he does. Um, other than that, I think probably about it uh, mm-hmm. in terms of people that I think can win. And then, interestingly, any any more notes, Brad, for for Bay Hill? Um, I looked at Davis Ryder. That's the first time he's made a cut in a while. Like yeah. Three cuts, and he hit the ball really well. Has a pretty decent record in Florida. Bounce uh, bar was where he had a chance to win, wasn't it? Yeah, second. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he shot 70 on his first um, when he when he was here uh, last year at Bay Hill, and then second round of 80. So 70 is a decent enough score around here, you know, from your first try. Um, you know, we he was going off at 50s, 40s when he first came on tour, wasn't he? He was yeah. um, talk of the town. Um, so maybe that could be a sign that he's on his way back. Could be a good top 40 player, maybe. Um, he's at big odds. He's at 250 to 1, eight places. So you'd like to think you'd get a good top 40 number. Um, so, yeah, probably where I might play him. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It feels like we used to call, everyone used to just call... Uh... JT's Spieth's mate and Riley seems to be his Alatoris's mate. Alatoris, yeah. Um, seems to be the same sort of thing. But um, anything more on Bay Hill for you, Jase? No, I mean Danny Willett. I thought maybe I'd shove him in somewhere. Um, hmm. He's actually playing all right, and 
if we're going to go on the conditions, you know, you, you, Hatton, Fleetwood, Willett's going to suit Willett as well. Um, yeah. I, again, I've no idea how, so it may not bother. Uh, <laughs> that was it. No, fair enough. Puerto Rico bets. Uh, not going to go into a full preview on it because it's just one of those events that when you look at it, you're not going to want me to do a full preview on it. Um, <laughs> if you are sick enough to bet on it and watch it, then you'll know why I've picked these players and that'll be enough. So I'm going to give my two bets and, and then I'll, we'll go around the room on that. Um, so Carl Stanley at 100 to 1 hit the ball really, really well last week. Um, obviously, disaster street on the uh, on the greens which is what we know about Carl Stanley um, but yeah I just think the way that he came back hit the ball uh, just bringing up the the actual stats now the ball striking um, but he was he was absolutely unbelievable um, he was second in driving accuracy and fourth in greens regulation that equated in the strokes gain approach to a, a pretty good week as well where he was fifth um, that's just wild for, for Carl Stanley given the form that he's been in then you kind of look at a bit of his course form. He's played well in the past. I think he's got a third place finish here as well. So all of a sudden he's about 100 to one about Carl Stanley, 66 to one first uh, first open. I thought well, that was generous enough considering some of the people he's going to be going up against. And then Bryce Garnett is you know the next one. He just plays well here every time. He's 50 to one. Uh, do I think Bryce Garnett wins many golf tournaments? No, but uh, he's going to be playing against. I don't even know whether this is even fair to call this a corn fairy field because it's actually, yeah. um, you know, dreadful. It, it really is poor. Well, you know, we've seen Garnett win um, on the PJ toilet at Corrales. It's definitely not that level of field. Uh, he's won twice on the web, beating some decent players on there. He's beaten Answer twice actually um, on the on the web.com. So, yeah, I like Brass Garnett. Um, Brad, your picks for the poetry. So I've gone Andrew Novak. The price has come in. It is 22 to 1 now, best price. And he's mm. had tied 20th Pebble um, and tied 29th at Honda last time out. So he's been pretty good form. Um, he's got loads of coastal form. Tied 17th at the Bermuda Championship. Tied 11th at the Corrales, which is great confidence on. Tied 12th Sony Open. Tied 22nd at Mayakoba. Then on the Corn Ferry Tour, he won. Um, windy coastal track in Florida, uh, the Sun Coast Classic. And um, third at the Emerald Coast Classic as well. Another course in Florida that's um, very windy and tough there. So I think he's got too much there to ignore. Um, and with his recent form, I think it's worth chancing. And then I've just gone for Matty Schmid off talent alone, really. Like we know he's going to miss loads of cut and he might miss another one here. Um, but we know when he's on it, he's uh, a massive danger. Sit the American Classic just four starts ago. Um, he should arguably be a PGA Tour winner already. He was leading the Barbs Hall, unfortunately choked. Um, but yeah, massive learning experience, all the same. Missed a cut by a couple of shots last week at the Honda, second round of 69, which is what I like to see. Um, he could be anything, um, but he's a player with a seriously high ceiling and in this field, I'm happy to chance him. And then I've gone for Brandon Matthews at 150 to 1 with Skybet. Uh, six places, best price, and he made his first cut uh, in nine starts last week. The Honda Classic finished tied 55th. He's a massive hitter. Um, he enjoys playing overseas with its success on the Corn Ferry Tour. He came in Colombia, I think he won there, and then he had a runners-up in Panama, which is another coastal windy course. Um, I just thought the price looked too big. 
I think he's going to be um, a bit of a confidence booster after last week. And if he wants to keep his card for next season, he's going to have to start performing in events like this. So, yeah, quite like Brandon Matthews. With Matthews as well, I think I read that he was basically making some swing changes to protect his back. So I think he's been having a few back issues because his, okay. his thing is basically off of the tee. Um isn't it? That's how he kind of gains his strokes. And that was basically, I, I kind of read that he, and he made the cut obviously last week and then put a decent shift in. Like, I think that was a reflection of maybe some of the changes he had to make to kind of not. Oh, that's even better then. So, uh, lights what I read on there. Jason, your picks for us on the Puerto Rico? Uh, Cameron Percy. She's disgusting. <laughs> really go and thrash myself with Birch. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, came back to form last week. Um, look, he's got. I, I want Corrales' form, and, and as Brad says, you know, you can pick there, you can pick Panama, you can pick Bermuda, whatever. Um, he's great over there. He gets placed all the time over there. Twelve for Honda last week is is a, you know an incredible performance. He's got two top tens in a row round here. He's got plenty of experience here. Australian Open form, Pe- uh, Pebble Beach form, Oz PGA is an absolute pain in the ass. But I couldn't. I had to put someone from the top, and Nate Lashley was too short, and so was uh, Ben Martin. Um, yeah. I don't know why, because I'd much rather Ben Martin now. But anyway, I've, got, I've gone Percy, so that's what I've gone. Um, Harrison Endicott, who's one of mine to follow this year. Um, again, windy, uh, absolutely soon, absolutely brilliantly. He's come off from the KFT two years ago, two top fives, two top 20s, one by five shots in Alabama. So at least he's on the right side of the US coming back here. Um, Top 12 at the Fulton Net in his first year. Uh, in Bermuda, he uh, started with a double bogey for his first round of 62. Resides in Scottsdale. Says he loves the win. 65-68 Honda. Um, what more do you want? He's fine. He's going to win at some point. It might as well be here. And uh, Brent Grant, um, yeah. who withdrew last week with sinus problems. Should be okay after a bit of Sudafed and Lemsip. Um <laughs> You know, back-to-back top 25s in miles better tournaments. Uh, Torrey Pines, where he led after a 64 first round. Top 20 at Pebble. He's from Hawaii. Um, he got his card at the KFC Tour Championship with a 50-foot putt at the last. Um, says he loves the wind. He grew up in the wind. He's in wind. He's playing well. What do you want? I like it. Yep, absolutely. One person I saw that was double the odds when I first checked him out, Rafael Campos, he's 100-1 to one now. He's he was a 50 to when he showed. He's got a third, eighth, and a tenth here. Mm. 12, three starts to go. So maybe Campos is worth looking at. But I really just like Carl Stanley. I can't believe how poorly oh, yeah. he finished last week after after the ball striking he had. But uh, that's Carl Stanley all over, isn't it? But yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, third and 16th here. Last two starts for Stanley really stood out. This event is prime for a new section. Um it's like a mis- miscut of misery, miscut misery. I haven't, I haven't worked out the name of the title yet, but cut misery. I like it. it rolls yeah, off the we, we've I've just basically established over the last couple of weeks just how much value you can get on someone to miss the cut, and it's it's unbelievable. Jeff Overton hasn't made a cut since 2016 on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's evens to miss the cut this week. Omar Uresti uh, basically doesn't play golf, and when he does, everyone gets yump because he shouldn't be playing golf, uh, especially on this type of field. He did make the cut at the 2022 John Deere Classic, but that's one in about 30 events. Uh, he's missed the cut, I think, four times here. Uh, he is 11 to 10 to miss the cut. Um, 
Chad Campbell is actually unranked. Uh, he, he no longer has a ranking on the OWGR. He is 5-4 to four to miss the cut. You've got Chris Nido or Nido. I mean, Brad, if you know who that is, then... I haven't got a clue who that well, is. Well, if, if you don't, I've got no chance. And it's exactly the same as Diego Savadera de Villa, who's 11-10. to 10. Jason Bone is evens to miss the cut. John Rollins is evens to miss the cut. You put all these things in and you can build yourself... I mean, look, accumulators are an absolute, you know, bookie's dream and they're never going to come in. But to me, it just struck me as a, an event that's perfect for these people to miss the cut. Um, and I must admit, in, in a sick kind of way, last week when I started putting these bets on, the satisfaction I got from watching Lucas Puregard shoot seven over, um, <laughs> knowing I'd made the right choice, was uh, almost as much as kind of back in a top 20 or a top 40. And then the way I was thinking about it, in terms of value, right, is if you do one of these kind of, because people do these all the time, like these six-fold top 20s or whatever, you're trying to pick six people to finish in 20 places, right, or maybe 22 if you're sharing it or whatever. I'm backing six people out of 100 and what? I don't know how many is in this Puerto Rico, but 120 maybe, 116 man field. Mm. Um, and I'm backing six people that don't know how to play golf uh, most of the time. Just so just to finish in the bottom 60. Um, I got really adventurous and took on Nick Watney, Grayson Murray, and Hank Levioda all at nine to four as well. Uh, Grayson Murray's basically broken as a human being. Um, He's got injuries in several parts of the body, including so the brain. Who would be your four bankers then? Tom? The, four, the four bankers would have to be uh, Jeff Overton, who's not made a mm-hmm. cut since 2016. Omar um, Resti. I think it's going to have to be John Rollins and Jason Bone. I, I don't know anything about these Chris Nidos and Diego Saradia de Villas. So, um, Chad they... Campbell, I think. Yeah, Chad. I mean, if Chad, I mean, I'd be delighted for Chad Campbell if he doesn't. You know, if he did make a cut anywhere else except for this week, because I don't want him to let down my bet. But um, I think this is it. I think this is the way to go. Instead of backing people to be good, uh, just just bet against misery. I mean, it kind of fits our theme, Jace. I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're not the most optimistic of people, are we? So, um, back it. Happens. It's just an act. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just an act. But we, you can get the same sort of value if you want to go to the Arnold Palmer and find people to miss the cut as well. Um, it's just a little bit harder in, in that kind of event. But, um, yeah, I thought it was just another thing that was worth flagging. You can do those on Bet365. And the other one I found, this is an interesting one. This You obviously know I've been on planes and airports for the last couple of days. Um, you can bet top finishing positions in the first-round leader market. So you can have top 20 in the first-round leader market. Um, mm. I thought that was wild. So you can do that. Uh, Rory McIlroy's being the top 20 after round one. Um, I think he's something ridiculous like 13 to 10 and uh, that's, that's definitely coming in so there's some free money for you all there if you just want to listen to that part of the podcast uh, don't worry about our outright selections or anything like that uh, just take those uh, Jace any, any any sort of miserable miscut people that you want to put in? No. no? Good. Brad anyone for you? No I was hoping to see Cameron Beckman who's having a tough time on the Champions Tour of late but He's not included to my disappointment, so yeah, no. no I'm no. happy with the ones you you mentioned. Yeah, and I think I think the other person I flagged up uh, for Bay Hill was Cam Davis. I thought he, I think he's basically injured, or either that, or he's just forgotten how to play golf. So I thought he was worth mentioning on the miscut misery. Um, so I'm going to summarise my actual winning predictions. 
Uh, Jason Day at 28 to 1. Tyrrell Hatton at 35 to 1. I don't know what to do about Chris Kirk, whether it's in the outright or not, uh, but I will play him in some way or another. Uh, Ricky Fowler is 66 to 1. Um, am I missing anyone? I think that was it for me. And then in Puerto Rico, I've gone with Carl Stanley at 100 to 1 and Bryce Garner at 50s. Uh, Jace, your picks for us, please. Uh, Scott Scheffler, Willie Zalatoris, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, which I think is the best of the lot, Ricky Fowler, and I'm looking at top 20s or something for Decky and maybe Moronk. Um, and over on the um, better tournament, um, I've, I've, do you know what? I'm dropping Cameron Percy. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm just going to do Harrison Endicott, who's obviously got no ceiling yet, but improving. And Brent Grant, who I think is actually could be a cracking bit of 66 to 1. Yeah, I, I wish Brent Grant didn't pull out with uh, with you know a cold last week because I actually bet on him. But um, you know, it is what it is. Um, Brad, your picks for us. So I've gone Wheels out of tourists at 22 to 1 with Sky Bet. Eight places. I've then gone to Jason Day, like yourself. Uh, I think 30 to 1 Uni Bet, six places, best price. You can take 28 to 1, eight places with Sky. Um, then I have gone for Super Tommy Fleetwood, and I think the best price is 80 to 1, six places with Unibet. Um, and then Puerto Rico, I've gone for Andrew Novak at 22 to 1. Uh, Matty Schmid, 45 to 1, and Brandon Matthews, 150 to 1. Yeah, I didn't add uh, Rafael Campos uh, into mine as well. He will be going on the card at 100 to 1. Um, it's actually wild, the field they've put together for this Puerto Rico Open. I'm surprised they uh, surprised they field this, but um, it should be uh, it could be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what the likes of like Harry Hall and people like that do, because there's obviously yeah. Sam Stevens is short on there, Brad. Just, Oh yeah, obviously like to talk about like oh, there's Sam Stevens. Yeah, oh, there's, some, money on him. there's some there's some high level players in there. They're just uh, amongst some low level players. Uh, mm-hmm. To be kind, um, I think that's it, gents. We've got the players' championship next week. Programming notes: we will be doing it on Tuesday next week, uh, taking the Monday off. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing the players next week on Tuesday. That is everything for that. Uh, any closing thoughts gents or are we all happy to go no all happy